today on CityCast Madison. Say you're wondering when the city will ever fix the pothole on your street. Or maybe you got a parking ticket when you absolutely shouldn't have. We've all been there. How do you get this stuff fixed? Who do you call? That would be your city alder. But what does an alder do exactly? Who better to ask than Madison's newest alder, Sabrina Madison? She represents Madison's Far East Side, the neighborhoods around East Town Mall. It's Thursday, December 1st. I'm Bianca Martin, and this is CityCast Madison. It is so exciting to be here talking to Sabrina Madison. She is the current alder for District 17. Sabrina, thanks for joining us. Thanks for asking me to join. Of course. Um, Well, we're excited to talk to you because you're the newest alder, right? And Mm -hmm. we want to hear about, for those of us who aren't super like in the weeds and don't know everything about city council, we kind of want to know how it works. Could you tell us why are alders important? Yeah, it's because oftentimes folks don't know where to go to get help. And if you're not someone who's very well connected or you're you don't you know, you don't have an organization lobbying on behalf of whatever concerns you, you just may not know. So when I decided to jump into this, folks who are very well educated and live in my district had no clue on what an alder does. So that was amazing to me because I'm a political or politics nerd. And so I was like, I have to let everyone know what an alder does. But it's important because something as simple as, you know, trash not being picked up or issues around speeding in your neighborhood. uh, Those are things that day to day folks are absolutely concerned about. And they may not realize that they can reach out to someone like me or your alder in your, your district and say, hey, I need some support in getting this thing fixed or alleviated. So I'm very much adamant in bringing in voices, not just folks who are pretty well off and pretty well connected. But what about the mom who is struggling to pay her rent? Like, how does her voice get counted in our decision making? So I see also Alder's role is ensuring that you're counting all of the voices, all of these shared voices in the district you represent. That's huge. (laughs) That's huge and so heartening to hear. Do you feel like you have a unique lived experience coming in looking yeah. Okay. I see them. <laughs> yeah. Talk, talk about that. Yeah. So it was really my lived experience that sort of like got me to go from, hmm, I'm not sure to guess I'm absolutely in because I live on the far east side. And in our district, there is the temporary men's shelter, which is that will be there for a little bit of time until the permanent shelter is built. And so I started following some conversations around that shelter being built. And I understand how folks can feel a bit, you know, not sure or comfortable. But also I got some of the conversations were like that these anybody who's accessing the shelter is absolutely going to be dangerous people. And I'm like, I access shelters. I serve people who access shelters. My family members access shelters today. And so I I absolutely wanted to balance out those conversations. Like I remember reading some of the blogs or the news, like yelling, <laughs> like, no, this is not, this is not how you think about this. And so being in a position to say, you know, I have a family member who was who's now stable because of the shelter, for example. He was able to sort of like get a job, get some of the treatment services he need. And now he's stable in his job for like 12 years. I have another family member who accesses the shelter periodically right now and also is suffering from mental health needs. So when you're talking about the men's shelter, we're talking about the one by Easttown Mall that's going to have to move, right? 
the council heard a lot from your neighbors who were concerned about it. What was missing in that conversation? So one, I wanted to bring a more balanced uh, voice to the conversations around housing folks who absolutely need safe spaces to sleep and have their needs taken care of. And then I've experienced homelessness. I've experienced eviction. I serve people who are experiencing eviction, who are experiencing hunger. Black women, for example, on average make 57 cents on a dollar in Dane County. I think Latina women are around 48 cents on a dollar. Oftentimes folks don't know those numbers. I know those numbers and sleep with those numbers. And I go out in my day with those numbers on my mind and how I make decisions for the folks we serve. So I just felt like I had so many various experiences that I knew I could bring a different voice to balance out the decision making on our council. And it sounds like it's it's about the conversation, even like the way people are talking about it when you don't have that lived experience. It is frightening to those of us who do have experiences about this sort of, you know, whatever this subject is. You don't want people making decisions on your behalf when a, that affect the entire city, but especially you as an individual with just assumptions. We should make facts sometimes, yes, on lived experiences and data and those stories, not just uh, I don't know, headlines that sort of like make you feel f- in fear of people. Absolutely. And and were you saying that's one of the reasons that brought you to run? Yep. Yep. Because I felt like the conversations were bordering on fear mongering. And I felt like I could have been a navigator where I could have helped address some of the issues that people might have had about fear. Like, I don't know that folks know. So what I'm going to do is also organize some tours and some conversations so people can have a better understanding of the shelter and its services. But folks didn't realize, I don't think, that Porchlight, you know, they have cameras out there. Porchlight has been doing this work longer than I've lived in Madison for a very long time. And they're very well informed. And that I don't know that folks know there are so many resources on site. So where folks are afraid about someone standing on a corner or someone sleeping out in the grass, when they get over to the shelter, if they're having some sort of health concerns, they're getting checked for COVID, they have access to housing resources, mental health resources, it's like a one-stop shop. It's like, I wish I could walk into a place and have every need to a degree almost addressed in a short amount of time. And they're doing that. Just talking about the men's shelter, there's something about that and hearing the way it was being talked about that gave me like prickly, like I don't, oh, you know, kind of like Mm -hmm. a... Mm-hmm. Not not very happy about the way that's t- being talked about and having your own, you know, lived experience coming in. You're engaging with these issues. Politics in Madison can get heated, particularly over the police. And this is something many of us are thinking about. And I heard you had a recent experience um, where a constituent asked you about whether or not you hated the police. Yeah. So someone uh it was as if they wanted me to make an either or conversation. And I, I always tell folks hate is like so strong. It's such a strong word. So I don't walk around hating anyone. To hate someone would take so much energy from me. It's very, it's a very heavy thing. And for my earlier parts of my life, there were things I absolutely hated. I hated that my son's father, for example, wasn't present. You know, that's hate that I had to learn how to get over and sort of like uh, come to sort of like terms with. So I decided that I'm not going to live my life hating anyone. And so where it comes to police, I might not agree with everything that police do, but I don't hate police because they're individual people. I have friends who are police officers. 
I have family members who are retired police officers. So for me, it's not a I hate police or I don't like police. It's more so I want us to think about when we think about policing, are we making decisions that are sort of getting us to these goals where everybody's able to do good? And sometimes we got to make decisions that everybody may not agree with because it will it may get us to this greater good. That may mean that we want to spend just a little bit more money taking care of someone's personal needs that year than we may spend on. Uh, I don't know, maybe hire one more police officer, for example. For me, it's about what are we doing to get everybody to like their best potential, their highest potential? It should be where policing, as long as we have police present in our communities, it should really act as a partnership. It should not really act as like I have to go out and and say I hate you, because if I hate you, that's going to make it difficult for me to partner with you and work with you. Absolutely. I love that. And talking about partnership and also fostering dialogue. Yeah. And not like the dialogue where. You know, I'm not looking for you to finesse me, nor do I want to finesse you. Like, we got to get out of the finessing conversations. You know what I mean? And just, like, really get back down to, like, this, like, neighborhood level of caring about each other. And, again, it can't be because I make a decision that you may not like, then I am, like, anti this, whatever you want to call it. It has to be uh, maybe Sabrina or whomever else making the decision is making the decision because they feel like this is best for the greater good. Like, we got to stop making it about, like, this individual hate and dislike of each other. Because I can, I have friends who absolutely voted for um, our previous president. You know what I mean? And it's just like, we just got different views. But I'm going to still sit down and break bread with you because at the, end of the, at the end of the day, we're human beings who have a lot of similarities. Well, that speaks to your character. And honestly, it's obviously this great sign that constituents are writing you about the things mm-hmm. that matter to them. And you're saying, you know, there we can have our differences, right? We can have our differences yeah. and we can also work together to make these to make our communities stronger and safer and where we all feel respected and regarded. I'm really curious because you said at the beginning, some people in your district don't know what an alder does. And so that's part of why we're having this conversation mm-hmm. is you had an issue. You're talking about the men's shelter, something that mattered to you and you wanted to take action. And now you're in city council. And I guess I'm curious, what would you say to young people listening to this who might be thinking, wow, like hearing your story, I want to get involved in city politics, maybe even run for Alder. Oh my God, please. Yes, do it. Because first of all, I always say we should follow young people. Uh, Not that me being like, I just turned 44, not that I don't know what I'm doing, but I absolutely look to young people to help guide me and inform my very own like beliefs and ideas in my own politics because they're they haven't sort of you know been at a point where the world has just consumed them. They're still fresh in their ideas. They're still very innovative, and they have like lots of great ideas. And they have this like genuineness at their i i like that ideation phase. So I would say do it because we need you. First of all, I need you. I say use yourself to get involved, whether you volunteer, run for office. Or even just, you know, like hang out at your school, uh, I don't know, uh, board meetings, for example, and sign up to share your your views. So board members hear what you got to say. That's a very real easy, quick way to start is just sharing your honest opinions with folks who make decisions on your behalf. Yeah. And there's been a high turnover in city council lately. Why do you think more people don't run for Alder? I knew it was a lot of work just because I have friends who, who served, whether currently or previously, but... 
it is described as at minimum committing 20 hours, but at, at any given week, I've not done less than 40 hours. So, and you have another job. I have, yeah, I'm a founder of a nonprofit that that's, that's doing really well. I have a uh, full-time staff and an assistant to manage too. Uh, we got full programs. I, yeah, I'm very busy outside of it, but I also just felt like I'm at a place where I do have staff who can pitch in and take on a little bit more and I have an assistant who can help balance out things at my day, day to day, you know, day work. But I just feel like one thing I definitely want to say is that it is absolutely, it, it's how much time you want to spend, I guess. You can absolutely do 20 hours, but will you be better prepared in common council meetings? How will prepared will you be in uh, your committee meeting? So just, I got appointed uh, October 25th and I took part in our recent budget deliberations. I spent a lot of time going over the budget page by page in these huge thick binders, you know, doing one-on-one um, info sessions with the previous audit to help bring me up to speed, for example. And so there is just the constituent emails and phone calls will get you your tw- to your 20 hours, you know, just sure. that alone. So. so what, you know, say someone who's 25, 26, but someone who would want to throw their hat in the ring, what would be the first step? Yeah, go literally go out there. And um, the city of Madison has a really great website I would or a web page for folks who want to run for office. So I would just make sure you know all the freaking steps because there are four things you got to do in order to even get your name on a ballot. And one of those things, for example, is uh, collecting signatures, which I'm excited to do in a couple of days. Um, but you got to file your campaign registration form. Uh, there's just like four things you need to do. So definitely do a quick Google search for the city of Madison and just put I want to run for office city of Madison. And it'll bring you to the local page. Well, you clearly have a lot of ideas and a lot that you want to dig into. Um, before we let you go, I did want to ask about the mayor's race. I saw that you endorsed the current mayor, uh, Satya Rhodes-Conway. Why is that? Well, I don't. for me, it's not a... I felt like in the previous administrations, I was treated like a token. So I didn't feel like I was in this inclusive leadership where I got to be part of the decision making. It was, oop, something Black happened in the community. Let me call this list of Black folks to uh, address it. It was never let me call Sabrina to help in the decision making for something that affects Black people. And I didn't like that at all. Nor did I feel like I should only be called when it is the Black thing. And so when she was elected... My hope was with that my leadership would be inclu- like I would be included in a very well, a real way and that my ability to serve people in my day to day work would get easier, meaning that I would have more access to folks who have answers and who set policies that affect my work, for example. And so looking back at the last four years, I can like genuinely say that, yes, my work has gotten easier. Getting answers for people has gotten so much easier. Getting funding for folks has gotten way easier. Like guaranteed income. If I just wanted to do one thing, I was absolutely like we need to give people regular incomes without all these freaking strings attached. We are doing that. Everything you just shared is indicative that there are more conversations to be had. Thank you so much for your time and telling us a bit about what it's like to be an alder. Sabrina, thank you. Thank you. Sabrina Madison represents the far east side of Madison. She was appointed in October after Alder Gary Halverson resigned. All 20 seats on the Madison Common Council are up for election this spring. 
The deadline for getting your application in is January 3rd, the first Tuesday of the new year. You gonna run? And here's what else Madison's talking about. The U.S. Senate passed the Respect for Marriage Act. The bill protects same-sex and interracial marriages, which have been questioned by members of the Supreme Court after their recent abortion ruling. What do these two things have to do with abortion? Absolutely nothing. Yet, here we are. The bill's champion is our own Senator Tammy Baldwin, the Senate's first ever openly gay member. The bill's expected to be passed by the House and signed into law by President Biden. And on the election front, the Wisconsin Supreme Court race has a new candidate. Her name is Jennifer Doro, and she's the judge who sends the Waukesha Christmas Parade attacker. It's now a four-way race over a seat that will decide the control of the court. Plus, dance for relief. The groovy and well-loved local disco band VO5 is playing the Eastside Club on Friday. Why? It's a fundraising benefit for Ukraine. Doors are at 7 p.m. So dust off those platforms if you're so inclined. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. We're produced by Molly Stentz and Dylan Brogan. Music is by Carl Christensen. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell someone you think should run for office to listen to this episode? You can also get more news delivered right to your inbox from our friends at Madison Minutes. We'll be back Tuesday morning with more news from around the city. So see you soon or see you tonight at Cordial Bar on South Park. It's a new hot cocktail bar in the old Rustic Tavern. Stop by our launch party happy hour from 530 to 730. It'll be fun. This is kind of ridiculous we got to do this for a job.